Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-added tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Good day, good evening, and greetings, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's a time when we should be celebrating. The new year is upon us. It's a new decade, and many of us are getting ready to have an incredible year ahead. One of the nice things about being in a position, I'm based in, I'm based in London, and London is one of those places where the weather is always unpredictable. But one thing you can count on is people grabbing a new year by the horns. People are in their thousands across the country, joining gyms, making New Year's resolutions, trying out different things like Veganuary, being vegan for a month, or Dry January, no alcohol for a month. And what's heartwarming is to see people's joy and determination to take on new habits and shed old ones. And so it's a really good time to be around. But I wanted to use this session here to bring to our attention something that I think all of us can relate to, and that is about what we eat and our diet. Now, I want to take a different angle to what we all talk about normally. Now, we're all aware of this comment, this all up, this understanding about you are what you eat. But here's something interesting. A lot of the coaching clients that I have have been emphasizing and trying to implement new habits around eating. And one of the biggest things I'm getting from many of my coaching clients is, hey, Prash, my mind isn't right. I'm eating the wrong foods. I want to lose weight. I want to get to this weight. I want to tidy up my act. I don't want to drink no more. And so everybody seems to be focused on how they can improve their diet to improve their health. And of course, that's a very admirable thing. And we should all be careful of that. See, the thing is, just as much as consuming indiscriminate food can harm our physical health, and for that matter, our emotions, so what we consume through our other senses could have an adversely bad impact on other areas of our life. Let me rephrase that. You and I both know that if you are taking on a new regime, if you're starting to cut out unhealthy foods, you're going to start to see positive gains in your health. We've all probably had that experience. Certainly, there's probably not many people out there who've not had the reverse experience, eating indiscriminately, eating more of too much of something and suffering. So we know intrinsically, and we hear it all over the press, everywhere, everybody tells us, every guru and every personal trainer and every health advisor tells us, be careful of what you eat and your health will improve. Many of us have had that positive experience. For myself, for example, when I started to take a plant-based diet, I noticed positive improvements in my cholesterol and my blood pressure, so many other things, and I was already a healthy guy. 
And so I'm sure it's true for many of you as well. But the one thing we're not talking about enough is what we're consuming through our other senses. Let me focus in on a little bit about this. So we are consuming food and I want, I'll, use, I'll start with food because I think that's a great analogy. So with food, for example, let's take a situation. You know that, for example, sometimes you end up overeating. Now, why? Why do we ever end up overeating or eating too much of something? One reason is because of our emotions. If we're in an emotionally heightened state, we end up consuming things that we perhaps shouldn't do too much of something that we shouldn't. We've all had that feeling, right? Having an ice cream tub and getting through it because we're feeling upset or grabbing for a drink or a few extra drinks when we're feeling down. Okay, so when we're in an emotionally heightened state, we end up consuming food or drink that we shouldn't do or in the quantities that we shouldn't do. Therefore, our emotions are a trigger to unhealthy eating. But there's another, there's another trigger. Our senses, if we smell something, right? You've been into a supermarket or a grocery store and you smell freshly baked bread and you feel like, oh, I got to go get some or, or a cake and you want to get some. So our senses, our sight. How many times have you sat there watching TV, you see an ad for pizza or something like, I want to have some of this. So in this similar way, our sight, our smell can distract us into eating something that we ought not to do or eating more of something that we don't actually need. How many times have you gone and eaten something that you didn't actually really need to eat, but you just ate it because you smelled something that was great or you tasted something that was great and you wanted more, you watched something. And so our senses are also responsible for dragging us into unhealthy decision-making when it comes to food. Boredom is another thing. If we're distracted or bored, we end up eating more than we should or eating the wrong things. Our company is another key thing. The people that we hang around because they're eating, we're out in the social place, we feel, ah, let's have another drink. Let's go and grab a little bit more food. And so in this way, all these other variables feed into our quality of what we eat and therefore the health that we have as a result. So similarly, I want to talk about what we're feeding and consuming in other ways. Now let's think about this. I want to, going to de deconstruct it a little bit into several areas. Look at what we read. Let's start with this. What we're reading. When we read the newspapers, when we're reading books, what kind of information are we consuming through reading negativity? Largely, a lot of the news in every day is negative stuff. What are we consuming when we're taking in negative information frequently and on a daily basis, for example? So we need to start becoming aware of what we're reading. Then what about social media? What about what we're consuming through other media? Social media. How many times have you been onto social media and you look at some, some post from somebody or someone, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, wherever it is, and you look at somebody and you feel a sense of inadequacy that you're not capable because you're not doing what they're doing. You're not performing at the level that they're doing. You're not getting the results that somebody else is doing. And it starts to make you feel inadequate. Have you had that feeling? I know I have. I've seen people who are having great successes and sometimes that green-eyed monster, right? Envy starts to creep in. You feel like, well, you know, I should have that result. And you start to resent that person. These are emotions, negative emotions that are welling up when we're consuming media through our eyes, through our ears. We're watching or seeing somebody have successes or achieve something that we're not getting. And so inadequacy, envy, fear of missing out, right? FOMO, 
comparison, the disease of comparison. You know, I have a phrase, comparison is a thief of joy. How many times do we end up comparing ourselves to people in our workplace or in our personal lives more than we ought to? And we start to see the negative in ourselves instead of actually admiring what they're doing and aspiring to be that way. We invariably end up taking the negative side of that and feeling inadequate, feeling resentful or regretful of why, why are we down here? Why are they up there? So a lot of this happens through social media. What about what we hear and watch on TV? Programs, movies, the movies that we watch, the documentaries that we watch. You know, it's funny because I spoke to a few people who watched The Joker. And uh, you may have seen it, you know, it's won a ton of awards at the moment. Jacqueline Phoenix's movie. I've got some people who said that they just came out feeling really disempowered and down because they felt the movie was so dark. Others have really enjoyed it. But the point is, movies or documentaries or TV programs can have a drastic effect on our emotional state and it affects different people differently. So for me, for example, I used to watch EastEnders. Some of you who are in the UK will know EastEnders. I used to watch it religiously. It was like Dallas or Dynasty, uh, but for the UK. And it's been going on for two decades. I swear to God, watching EastEnders made me depressed. Every time I watched an episode afterwards, I was feeling down. And I didn't even pick up on this until I started getting more and more emotionally aware that, wow, why am I feeling down? And I thought every Sunday after I watched two hours of EastEnders, I'm actually feeling down. There came a point when I when I recognized it and I decided I'm not going to watch it anymore. Instead, I started watching empowering programs. In fact, recently I watched a documentary on Netflix, Brené Brown. Some of you have heard of Brené Brown, uh, Call to Courage. Fantastic documentary on Netflix. You watch something like that and you feel empowered. You feel inspired. You feel that you have new ideas and avenues to approach. And so it is with life. What is it that you're watching? What is it that you're consuming when you sit at home binge watching through Netflix? And sure, of course, we watch stuff to switch off. We watch stuff to make us laugh. We watch stuff to take us out and distract us from our hectic lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to indiscriminately consume anything and everything without taking stock of how it might be affecting our emotional state, there's a problem. And I think this is true for all of us. So watching what we watch and see, movies and TV and media and programs, then there's consumption, then there's consumption through workplace. Let's talk about what it's doing in the workplace. How many times have we fallen victim to gossip at the workplace, people talking about somebody else, people talking about us, and then we feel down about it, right? If somebody says something, oh, so-and-so said that, you know, your report wasn't that good. Or, nah, nah. Prash, no, nah, he's not that good at presentations. Don't ask him to do presentations or don't give up the day job. How many times have you heard people either directly or subtly say something, whether it was deliberate or otherwise, that starts to make you feel disempowered? starts to make you feel inadequate or incapable. This is a frequent and sadly too frequent occurrence in the workplace today. We all get this. I know I felt it for years in the corporate workplace where people would say something, usually entirely innocently, but they would say something, it would come to our attention and you feel like, wow, that's, that's what they're saying about me or I didn't hear that. Really, is that true? Some of it's gossip, some of it's politics. Now listen, we can't get away from politics, some degree or other, if we're working in a workplace, there is gonna be some politics, but to not have any sort of barriers, boundaries to the level of 
politics that we're going to embrace or in, in, include. It starts to cause problems. People who are doing bon mot, making little snidey remarks. All of this starts to affect us in so many different ways. Let me give you an idea of all the sorts of negative impact this can have. I want to break it down again for you because I think breaking down the sorts of impact that this sort of stuff has on our life starts to help us become aware and more cognizant and aware not to buy into this sort of stuff and start to be more protective about what we consume. Let's start about let's start talking about negative health impacts. Purely just from a from a we've talked about the physical impacts, right? Poor health, excess weight gain, poor health markers, diabetes, cholesterol, lots of physical manifestations of problems. Let's talk about negative health impacts on our mental state. Depression. People start to fall into depressive states. People get fall into anxiety, frequent bouts of anxiety because of what they're consuming, what they're hearing about themselves being said by others, whether it's in the workplace or in our families or in our social circles. Depression, anxiety, ADHD. We start to become really distracted by what's going on. Let's talk about behavioral impacts. Constant thrill-seeking. Have you had that situation where nothing feels satisfying? You never feel content with the position that you're in because you've consumed so much that's showing you that there's so much to gain. Now you're constantly seeking the next thrill. You're constantly feeling that where you are is not enough because somebody out there is doing better. Somebody else is saying you should be doing this. But where did that come from? It wasn't from you. See, the programs that we run inside, and Bruce Lipton says this really fantastically. He says that we're running programs since young age, and then we keep building on these programs. Society injects us with these programs because we allow society to. We allow the media to do that. We consume without regulation and restriction, and therefore we are embedding these programs into our mind. They, they, into our mind. they go consciously and then they sink into our subconscious and now we start to desire and hanker and lament for things that we probably don't need and that we probably wouldn't even make us happy. But now we're seeking them. And so when we're not getting them, what happens? We feel unfulfilled, discontent. What else happens on a behavioral front standpoint? We start to withdraw. We start to become insular. We don't hang around so much. We're not the same person in front of people that we want to be. You know, we're not ourselves because we're constantly feeling this sense of inadequacy or lack. We start having poor performance in our work. You maybe have experienced this in your own life where you've had a bad episode at work, you've had a frequent amount of negativity coming at you from colleagues or from the results that you're getting or the feedback and now you're starting to deliver poorer results. Your performance is down, you're feeling down, you take time off sick, you don't want to be around the workplace anymore, you don't want to be around those people. Again, so you start to withdraw. So withdrawal, detaching yourself, and that, that starts to lead to weaker and diminished social and, social and professional relationships. We start to deteriorate in those regards. We don't start to perform as well. Then let's talk about our emotions. Inadequacy, disempowerment, guilt, shame, regret. What about anger? How many times have you feel angry because you've consumed something or you've heard something and that's made you feel that way. Greed, as I said before, we start to feel like we need something out there we don't really need because we've consumed it. So a lot of these negative things start to come to the surface and they probably are happening in our lives and we probably don't take stock of it. And that's the funny thing. We don't take stock of what's going on in our lives enough to recognize how these things are affecting us behaviorally, emotionally, physically. We often only see the physical impact and we often only associate it with food. 
But of course, as I'm trying to enlighten us in this session, there are so many other areas where it's happening. And for us, the key is for us to start to get more cognizant of what's happening, to become more aware of what's happening in our lives. So I want to share a few strategies of how we can do that. And I want to say that these aren't just theoretical. Uh, I've been working with clients both in the professional corporate workspace, private clients who have benefited from employing these very strategies. Some of them will be common to you and they'll be aware, but let me bring them out. So firstly, opt to change the source of consumption. So you can start to change what you're consuming. So here's a simple example. Instead of, for example, playing games on the train, on your phone, right? A lot of people are playing all kinds of games on their phone and apps. Instead of playing games on your phone, you could use it to read something on Kindle or uh, or an audiobook. Here's another example. Instead of listening to music all the time, you could change that to listening to podcasts, empowering episodes of wisdom coming out at you, different podcasts for different things, professional podcasts, podcasts for your personal life, uh, urban spirituality, the podcast that I run. There are so many podcasts that you can tune into to start to empower your mind and choose to reduce the amount of music you listen to and opt for podcasts. Same with watching TV and coming home and relaxing. We can choose to watch a movie to switch up and that's great. Or we can choose to reduce the amount of TV series that we watch and maybe watch a documentary instead. So this first tip is about changing the source of what we consume. Okay, second tip, learning to practice mindfulness. It's that big M word again. And M, that M goes with another big M, meditation. But let's talk about mindfulness here. We're all well aware of this term mindfulness. But here specifically, what I'm talking about is several factors. One, becoming more aware of our self-talk. See, a lot of the times that we feel disempowered, a lot of the stuff that makes us feel down and behave badly or have negative emotions or make poor decisions is because of our own negative self-talk. Our own inner critic is being the cause of those negative actions. So we are the victim of our own poor consumption due to our inner talk. So what we've got to first do is start to become aware of negative self-talk. Start to realize when that voice in our head starts to tell us, oh, you can't achieve that. Oh, you're never going to be able to do this. Or now go and enjoy that thing over there. It's going to really get you happiness when it truly doesn't. In fact, how many times do we end up chasing something and then getting the same fix, whether it's through consumption of alcohol, through another substance, or through certain types of entertainment and we find that it actually leaves us kind of cold and not really satisfied it's a flickering moment of happiness a flickering moment of pleasure but you don't really get lasting happiness out of it because the mind has taken us this way so starting to become aware of our self-talk and our mind and where our mind wants to take us is the first step how do we do that each time we're feeling the need physically to reach out for food or to watch a certain TV program, we can catch ourselves and say, wait a second, is this the best thing I could be doing with my time right now? Or could I be doing someone else? With food, is this something that I really need to eat right now? Am I feeling genuinely hungry? Or am I eating because there's something else going on? There's an emotional trigger. There is a boredom trigger. You get what I'm saying? So starting to catch yourself before you engage in the act of watching, reading, hearing, going out to that night out with a whole bunch of friends and consuming a bunch of calories, whatever it is, 
starting to catch yourself in the act is going to be a major way to start to break that pattern and to make a better choice. Talking about talking about other tips, let's talk about cutting out certain sources. So this could mean cutting out certain types of food. We do that with our food, right? We go on a diet, right? So we're going on a diet of in our physical in in the physical sense we go on a diet right we give up alcohol uh, we give up meat veganuary we're giving up certain foods so i want to invite you to extend this to other areas of your life you could go on a diet of tv for example x number of days a week you could choose not to watch tv in the evenings when you come home and instead opt to read or to find some other source of inspiration or switch off time it could be that you cut out it could be that you cut out going to certain places where you know that you're going to get distracted, where you know you're going to spend a bunch of money and the results aren't that good. In other words, you get a little bit of a flicker, a little bit of a hit fix, your dopamine fix that you get by hanging out and consuming stuff at a certain place or in certain social settings. But really, it's not giving you long-term happiness. So you could look at going on a diet and cutting those things out. Now, I'm not talking about cutting them out cold turkey. You could cut them out a couple of days a week. You could take the approach that you're going to just diminish the amount of um, entertainment that you're going to take in from TV or you're going to reduce the amount of time you hang around with people. And let's move on to that. This is a tricky one. There may be people in your life that you can't cut out. They may be your work colleagues. They may be your managers. They may be your family. You may not be able to cut them out, but you can change the way you deal with them. In work, if there are people who who annoy you or who wind you up, but you know you're still going to be hanging around them, then you could actually choose to change the mode, the modality by which you connect with them. You could choose to email with them instead of talking to them. Or you could change, you could reduce the distance by having a go-between work with you. So think and get creative about how you can reorientate your dealings with certain people who bring negativity to you or who rub you up the wrong way. How can you do that? Think about that in your workplace and see how you could change that. And in your personal relationships, think about how you can change the dynamics. Maybe it's a family member where you're not getting where you where you're not getting on real well or there's something negative. Maybe you could suggest to them to do something different like go on an activity together. I'll give you an example. One of my one of my clients uh, he's not having a great relationship with his partner right now. One of her biggest complaints is he's a workaholic. He doesn't spend enough time with her. And whenever he does spend time with her, she's nagging at the stuff he's not doing. And he's, it's winding him up. And he's constantly talking about how she doesn't recognize all the value he's bringing from his work. So I suggested to him, I said, look, here's an idea. If you can get a babysitter, why don't you just twice a week go out for a walk? The two of you go out for a walk um, or do a yoga class together because they both kind of enjoy physical stuff. I said, why don't you do it together? And consciously agree that during that time you won't talk about your work and you won't talk about the domestic. Choose to think about something else to talk about. Now he started to engage that and initially it was tough because they didn't necessarily want to go somewhere together. But once they started doing it, they started to find other people that they were hanging around with and other subjects to talk about outside of these other areas. And they started to rebuild their connection. What I'm saying is sometimes you've got to go sideways to go forward or sideways to go up. You've got to work around certain things to in order to start make progress. So I invite you to try that with your colleagues. I invite you to try that with what you consume and what you hear. Change what you start to do. Change the options of what you consume. 
reduce the things that you consume, go on a diet of what you consume, commit to yourself to reduce the amount of things that you watch here or the news, the amount of news you read. Use your phone. You've got fantastic apps. We can use these apps to track the amount of time we're on social media or the amount of time we're watching TV or heck, the amount of time we're sleeping. We all know this. So let's use these apps for our advantage rather than apps controlling our lives. So hopefully that's been useful and I'd love to hear how you're using technology and your own tips and ideas to help to refine what we take in because ultimately the take-home message is here. If we can learn to refine what we consume, not just what we eat, but every other source coming in through our senses and including our own self-critic, if we can refine what we consume, including our self-talk, we can start to improve the results in every single area of our personal, emotional, physical and spiritual health and in our careers. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love for your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.